0: Hello and welcome to the mailbag for round 17. My name is Damo and Clarky, you are back this week. How are you?
1: I've returned uh, to the... the no, nobody Nobody asked for this, but I'm back anyway. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, it's It's been a time. Uh, my super coach season, she draws to an end um, as my team is poor. But I'm still here to answer some questions and give out better advice than I'll ever follow myself.
0: And another man who is back this week is Leckdog. two weeks in a row, thanks for coming back, how are you? I'm well, lucky me,
2: excited to be here, the, uh, the mailbag was a lot of fun last week, so I'm excited to crack in and help some super coaches out there with their, uh, with their
0: queries and their woes. It feels like more Supercoach teams are becoming more settled as the season progresses. So there are less and less questions coming through. But we've even got a question about 2023, which we will get to eventually. But the first set of questions comes from Andrew on the website. He's left a series of questions in the website comments. The first one being, how many trades would you be keeping from here on out? That's
2: uh, an interesting question. Cause that implies having trades to keep. <laughs> How many weeks do we have left of super coach Demo? It's like six, Seven. Five, six. Seven. Like ideally look perfect world. You'd have at least a trade a week, but I know not many are in that perfect world. I'm, I'm sitting on five myself. I think last week when we answered a similar question, I had seven, so I had to use two last week, um, sitting on five now. I'm relatively comfortable with that, uh, pending the fact that Daniel Rich and a couple of other, my other players got injured, but hoping we could just ignore that. And uh, yeah, f- I think five's a reasonable number.
0: Yeah, I revealed earlier in the week on the podcast with Patch that I've only got two left, so I'm riding this season home by the skin of my pants. Um, I don't think that's how that saying goes. <laughs> that's pretty you're, close
1: though. <laughs> if, you're, if you're riding on the skin of your pants, I'm riding with my noose on the ground. Because <laughs> 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 I have one trade left. Um, but I, look, I think, I, I agree with you, Leck, where I think five is probably a good number. I'd say like my brain immediately jumps out at four and that's assuming that you have a completed team and those yeah, four yeah, of are course. Yep. For a catastrophic, unrecoverable injuries.
0: Yeah, I think ideally five is the number that you want to have left over, but the fantasy gods have not been kind. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's going to be a Stephen Bradbury moment for the winner at the end.
2: Yeah, look, it's it's been Yikes a long, long first year, at the but yes, good luck for those. Let's check, let's check the record because one hour. Friend of the pod. Yeah, Prestia's yeah. premiers. Caleb is still sitting number one who listens to the Jock Reynolds podcasts and sits on the website, scored uh, twenty five eighty one last week. And, hey, we've been riding that glory all year. So I hope it's not a Bradbury. I hope it's just a very comfortable win for, for Caleb because seems like a nice guy and he's been I, – I don't know how long he's been at the top for, but it has been for a significant period of time I- now.
1: I remember when he revealed himself as uh, as a Jock Reynolds fan. Um, he said that he had only been at the top for I think one week at that point. So it feels like a couple of weeks now. And, and well, I'm looking back.
2: He he was longer. first. I mean, I've gone back to round eleven, and he was
1: top. Round ten, and he was top. Not only yeah. is he good at Supercoach, he is humble, and we love that. Uh, I'm yeah. backing you in, the end, Caleb. You can do it. Me Bless too. You.
0: The next question from Andrew says, based on how we have answered the first question, should he luxury uh, luxury trade either Heaney to Liberatore or Cornelio or Nick Dakos or slash Jack Crisp to Rory Laird?
2: That is an interesting question. The points gained, I would say you probably, I think you gain more now from from the first option just because Heaney's dropped off. I think the jump from a Dacos or a Crisp at the moment to a lead is like maybe like a thirty point max gap, whereas a Heaney to a a Heaney to a uh could be more like a forty point gap at the moment. Um so I, I'd lean towards option A myself.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't call it, like, I, I would struggle to even call that first one a luxury trade. It feels like an, an economy trade just because Heaney, like, like I said, has dropped off pretty significantly barring, like, one or two spurts of, like, oh, yep, yeah, here we go. I think the last ton he got, he that was a game where he kicked four or five goals on top of a decent amount of possession. So, I think, yeah, moving Heaney to somebody who's going to be more consistent is definitely the better move for your competitive ranking.
0: Yeah, you probably want to keep Dacos and Crisp, um, but Heaney to a Liberatore or a Canelio is probably the difference your team could need to come home with a wet sail in this last six to seven weeks. And hopefully Heaney can can do better on the run home, but do you really want to stick around to find out?
1: Would you guys be bringing in Canelio or Liberatore?
2: Uh, well, just, I feel like my answer is
0: Libertoré because he's in less teams. Liberatore because I'm salty about trading Canelio out before he went on this run. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that's another factor.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Try try not to factor in the, the salt, but I think, yeah, Lib is in a pretty decent spot as well for scoring at the moment. Um, And I think we're still in that mode of, is Canelio, is this... Mark McVeigh train going to last forever. Feels like the good times will last forever.
2: It's, uh, yeah, it, it's lasting right now. And that's all we can focus on.
1: And that's the best bit.
0: It will be interesting to see what happens when Jacob Hopper returns.
2: Yes. well, And he played relatively well in the VFL on the weekend, didn't he? So um, we w- we might not have to wait long to find out.
0: And the last question that Andrew had was when should he trade or when should you trade, whoever you are, Darcy Cameron, back to Max Gorn? Hmm. 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 I suppose you need to keep an eye on Brody Grundy's return date on the injury report uh, and wait for teams to be announced so you can leave your trade as late as possible. And, once Grundy has returned, that's probably when you can look to do it. But you don't want to do it before then. You don't want to anticipate before then. Because I think holding your trades as long as possible will benefit your team more on the run home.
2: Yeah, I think being conservative is the is strength. Grundy at the moment's listed as two to three weeks. Cameron has a break even of 101, uh, which is, you know, Slightly below his his three round average and a bit below his five round average, so he should maintain his value. And then, max score. And I mean, there, there's always an option. There's always a chance he could come back this weekend and score 200. Although historically this year Geelong haven't conceded that many points in the ruck, so I think he's break even. What did you say his break even was, Damo? Like 80 something? 84, yeah. So he's a chance to increase in price as well. I think they'll sort of increase. <laughs> God damn it again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was <laughs> if that was included in the last podcast. we No, nah, I,
0: I, I, I left it in. It's mailbag time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Guess what, guys? It's mailbag time. It's two, that's two for two. <laughs> I'm glad I got to experience that live. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I don't even know what I was saying. Clark, you please save me.
1: So I think Gorn gone okay. coming back this week, it could be an idea if you want to just go straight in. Um, Goodwin has confirmed that Gorn and Jackson are back. So Melbourne are going to have their other infamous Ruck duo other than Mitch Brown and Sam Wiedemann. Um, so it's it's just that timeline of when when do you feel like you're ready to make the jump? If Cameron's still busting out the scores, then there's no reason to jump off him yet because he's showing that he's, he can compete at that level. So, you know... It, it's all dependent on when they're going to bring Grundy back, and I don't think there is a set timeline as yet for when Grundy's exactly going to come in. And I think Collingwood are probably going to struggle to determine, like, well, do we just bring Brody straight back in, and then Darcy Cameron gets put to the wayside?
0: I don't think Grundy and Cameron will make way for one another. I think they'll actually be they will actually be splitting their time between ruck and forward or ruck and wing or wherever they f- think the other one can impact best when they're not in the ruck. Because earlier in the year when Grundy had was average, had a three round average of high, of in the high eighties or or early nineties, I think it was because Craig McRae wanted Grundy to find another position where he could impact. So I think, it's moving towards Grundy and Cameron splitting their time in the ruck which means that neither will likely reach the same heights Grundy that the same heights that Grundy was at and the heights that Cameron is at now we'll move on to the next question Mado has asked a question on Twitter and i think we answered this earlier is Isaac Haney worth trading out if you have the trades in the bank. I think we've all said a pretty resounding yes to that as, as long as it is an upgrade.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think so for sure. Um, He's not someone that I've had in my team and I was regretting that for, for part of the year, but he's now had a five round average of 83 round average of 83. And if we look through his scores, it's just kind of, it's a bit meh. So since he's had one ton since his last ton, which was in round seven, in between round seven and round sixteen, he's had scores of seventy-five, meh, ninety-two and ninety-four. Okay, fifty-three is terrible. Ninety-six and one twenty-four. We thought maybe he's back, maybe he's back into that scoring power, but then he pumped out a fifty-nine and a sixty-seven against St Kilda and Essendon, and you're just like, it's just kind of disappointing to. And Longmire basically came out. I think it was last week, and said, "Oh, his role hasn't changed. So if his role hasn't changed, then his forms just dropped. And um, and he's still kicking goals. So it's it's his possessions and his impact with the ball outside of kicking goals that's that's dipped and dropped off. And I don't like having forwards in my team who are reliant on kicking goals to score well. So at the moment, I think he's a he's a clear must trade, and he doesn't. Particularly love playing the Western Bulldogs who he's got this week either. If he plays, because apparently he's injured according to Supercoach, but not according to
0: Sydney demo. Yeah, Sydney put out injury report saying that there was no issues from any of the players that played on the weekend. AFL.com.au thinks that uh he's got a corked quad, which may be the reason behind his poor score on the weekend, but who knows exactly what's going on there. I don't think he'll miss, but there is that slight chance considering that he has been listed on that injury report. We'll move on to the next question uh, Mardo's asked another one here Clarkey is Kitty and Coleman an option at 437 K with Daniel Rich out uh,
1: I think Lackdog has said this historically as well but I think you know Coleman relatively has been a reasonable option. Um, for a number of weeks now, um, I'm not really sure. I'm not. I'm not too around how Brisbane's structure is going to change to accommodate for Rich being out, and especially if we don't know how long Rich is going to be out. I'm seeing anywhere from like a week to a couple of weeks, so we still don't know the extent of just how bad that injury was um, to Jock Reynolds' favorite son, Daniel Rich. Um, <laughs> but I, I look. I, I kind of love the way that he plays. He plays a really intense kind of football that's really reliant on contested possession and really crashing the packs and intercepting out of defense. I think he's got a lot of scope to do things that score good points. Um, So I would say probably at at 430, he's, he's an outside option. Like he probably wouldn't be my first option if I needed someone to bring in who was going to be a guaranteed, you know, gangbusters. But at the same time, if you're really struggling for cash, you know, he's definitely worth a shot.
0: His dual position eligibility makes him an attractive prospect, especially if once Daniel Rich returns, he becomes cover at your D7 or F7 position. If you've got someone else who can swing like a Deconing or a McCartan, which, who you can swing backwards and forth with. I don't know if I would be trading out Daniel Rich to bring him in, but if you can bring him in another way so that you have cover while Daniel Rich is out, then that's probably how I would get behind it. I wouldn't get behind it if it was to trade out a Daniel Rich.
2: Yeah, for me, I think he, I think he's a pretty solid sort of uh, loophole option, someone that you're kind of sitting on your bench some weeks, loopholing other weeks. If you want him to be a locked-in starting on your field player, I think there are a potentially better value options. And I agree with you, Damo. I don't think I'm trading him in as a result of Daniel Rich's injury. we I think you look at what he's scored recently without, with Daniel Rich in the side and that and that's probably what you're hoping to get. Um, maybe there'll be a little boost this week with Rich out, but uh, if you believe Brisbane, he's only going to miss a week. So you're not making a decision based on a one week injury.
0: Clarkie, have you started to think about Supercoach for 2023?
1: Well, a man can only dream that next year will be better. Um, it's it. Look, it. Ha- I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't already thinking. All right, I need to remember to not do this next year. Is probably my main thoughts around Supercoach twenty twenty three.
0: But you haven't started a short list or any sort of sh- or any sort of team planning for the start of next season already.
1: No, but I feel like I, are you about to tell me that you have? Um,
0: no, I haven't, but. LK has asked us a question. I don't know what LK stands for, but LK has asked us a question. What Ruck combo will be popular to start in 2023? I've done some digging. Paddy Ryder is still unsigned for 2023. So if he doesn't continue, I think Rowan Marshall priced at a 90-ish average will be a popular starting selection. Sean Darcy may be popular if he lasts through the preseason without injury. Max Gorn might be a safe option regardless of what happens with Luke Jackson. We probably won't see Brody Grundy picked in many teams if we see Cameron and Grundy splitting time, like we have said earlier. Tim English might be another popular starter, but if Rory Lobb does land at the Bulldogs then who knows what the split and the output will be like for him. So I'm thinking it's likely going to be Marshall and Gorn or Darcy and Gorn as the popular starting duo.
2: I'm interested to see, because this year was the year of the value ruckman, right? If you started Jared Witts, you won one super coach, basically. So is there any? Is there going to be any value? And I'm, I'm looking through at the guys that have missed this year um, and I, I, these are guys who might potentially get moved on to be a number one ruckman at a club that's struggling in that space. So, uh, like a Kieran Briggs or an, or another Kieran, a Kieran Strawn or Strucken. still don't know how to say his name. Uh, one of those guys, maybe a, a John Segler, if he doesn't play senior footy this year, even though he's, he's a test this week for the VFL, Ideally, he doesn't play in the seniors. All those guys are going to be cheap and potentially number one ruckman at some club. Probably not the club they're currently at, although Segler might be. So there might be some value prospects, but uh, but Demo, I think the guys that you've named are probably the most
0: uh, the most exciting ones. It's going to be interesting to see how people structure their rucks next year because Set and Forget is seemingly dead. <laughs> Well, yeah, Longing it's certainly, it's
2: certainly, well, it depends who you're setting and forgetting. People People who set Forget, like Jared Witts and Toby Nankervis, for some reason, have done very well out of it.
1: Um, I think I would probably would struggle to look past Jared Witts if Gold Coast are continuing the form and, like, the level of play that they've shown over this season um, in terms of competitiveness. I think, you know, it's not so much set and forget being dead but starting your team out with the most solid prospects and then dealing with it because I think the last couple of years probably part of the issue with the ruck line is that everybody's kind of we've been spoiled for choice or we've been ruined by lack of choice in previous seasons where you went gone and Grundy for that number of years and then this year everybody kind of started because like oh well, we've got Jared Witts or we've got Sean Darcy or we've got gone or you've got jack is jackson gonna do anything this year so i think it's just going to be more about picking consistency over sort of a, a wild out there punt
2: if um if todd goldstein finally moves on from north melbourne tristan cherry or whoever they decide is going to be their number one ruckman will be uh will be a watch for me pending price
0: that's fair one last question before we move on to the tips and captains comes from Rick Grimes from the website Comments. He needs a Dustin Martin replacement. Who would you guys bring in as a replacement for Dustin Martin? Well, I'm surprised that someone has
2: <laughs> Dustin Martin in their team, but Grimes, <laughs> he's always doing reasonably well, so I'll back him in. Uh, he's, he's listed some options, Taranto, Duncan, Hawkins, Moore, He's leaning towards more. Actually, Damu, you're the more whisperer. What What do you feel about about more?
0: I don't mind more. He's someone who can drop a bit of a stinky score every now and then, but he seems to be a pretty safe, pretty safe ninety most weeks. 90's relatively relatively solid. The other one,
2: I mean. Is Hawkins actually going to be good for the rest of the year? Pat, I know he had a good game on the weekend, but is he, is he going to be reliable? Do you reckon Clarky?
1: I like Jeremy Cameron more than Tom Hawkins from Geelong, uh, which I know is definitely a bit of a price difference, but Hawkins also does have a track record of coming home reasonably strong, or at least overall finishing quite strongly as a forward. Um, so I mean, it's it's definitely an option. I don't I I I kind of like it as well because Tom Hawkins is is always good for a couple of goals. He's always got reasonably strong performances and consistency within what he does. Um, I think maybe Jeremy Cameron's stealing some of his points at the moment.
2: Oh, with the, with his remaining opponents, I'm just looking at Hawkins' high scores and low scores. High score: two hundred and four against Port Adelaide. Low score. 11 versus West coast. So the man certainly has a range of outcomes that he can deliver for your super coach teams.
1: If you love roller coasters.
0: Well, you could say that about any key forward in Supercoach If you, if you like roller coasters, the other one potentially would be Connor Rosie, who I have in my
2: team, who I feel like he's getting a little bit of champion data love guys. Cause I was watching that game against GWS and he sort of had a hell of a lot of disposals for not many points and then he kicked a goal late and all of a sudden he was up in that, you know, close to a hundred mark and uh, he's not super efficient with his ball use all the time, but he seems to be impacting at the right moment. So once again, opportunity for that to be a rollercoaster ride, but he appears
0: to be getting some love at the moment from the uh, from the CD crew. All right, now that we've answered all your questions, we'll move on to the tips and the captains. The first game is Geelong against Melbourne at GMHBA Stadium. Um, Like last week, we won't go through every option. I'll just single out the best option based on historical data or data or duta, however you want to say it.
1: (laughs) Duta. It's only in, uh, I believe they call it duta in Tassie.
0: (laughs) Clayton Oliver averages 133 against Geelong over his last three. And if you held on to Max Gorn, he averages 145 over his last three. So those are the two guys that I would be heading towards with my vice captaincy armband. And I'm sorry, Clarkie, I'm tipping Geelong.
1: Yeah, I can't believe you've done this. I can't, I can't believe this. Right ride, ride in the nuts. Um, this may surprise everybody, but I'm tipping Melbourne. Uh, and Max is going to kick another five goals.
2: Where is this one down at GMHBA? Yeah. I think legally I just have to tip Geelong. And, uh, but I, I think Oliver's the
0: clear VC option here. Next game is Sydney against the Western Bulldogs at the SCG. I was looking at this game and L- Luke Parker had a look at him. Nope, there's no big scores. Jack McRae, no, there's no big scores. Josh Dunkley, no big scores. Callum Mills, no big scores. So, I think we have to go with Marcus Bontempelli, who averages 129 against the Swans over his last three games. So, he he is someone who seems to be picking up a bit of steam, and he's probably the best option out of this game. But... The Swans do have lots of players in that midfield like Chad Warner, Callum Mills, who can run with these Bulldogs players. So someone will get off the leash. It's just a matter of who and how much of and how much freedom that they get.
2: I think this one's probably a game I'm going to avoid any captaincy related. I think Bont, Bont's Bond's recent average is pushed up by a, a, a pretty big 166 in 2020, which we know the scoring is kind of kind of inflated from that year. So I, I would expect him to go like a 115 plus, and and that's probably not enough. And I actually think that I think as you said, Damo, there's a lot of outcomes. I reckon quite a few. We'll see a few players in that 100 to 115 range, and I I doubt we'll see anyone much higher than that.
1: It's a difficult one to tip as well, I think, which is always, for me, uh, usually a pretty bad sign of not knowing who to pick when there are multiple options within a game. Um, you know, It's at the SCG, so you'd think that Sydney kind of have the edge and the Bulldogs have been up and down in form um, the last couple weeks. So, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, uh, I'm probably going to go Sydney for the SCG factor.
0: I'm tipping Sydney.
2: Yeah, it's, it's tough. I think, I don't know. I don't really think either of these teams are playing that well at the moment. So I'll, I'll tip Sydney for the, for the home ground
0: factor. The next game is Collingwood against North Melbourne. And against North, we could see some huge scores from a range of players at Collingwood, but there is no historical data to back anyone in. So I would actually avoid this game altogether... For your captaincy or vice captaincy, but I would, but I'm tipping Collingwood. Yeah, I'll I'll tip Collingwood, and Damo,
2: I'll take a leaf out of your book and say, uh, why not a Nick Dacos?
0: Because it's risky as hell. But also, why not? If you, if you (laughs) wanted to, you definitely could. Um, I'm, I'm really not sure. Like we've seen players who we thought would go big against North Melbourne, not go big against North Melbourne. It just it really feels like once the game is away, these big players who can bring out big scores, kind of put the queue in the rack in the final quarter once the game is sewn up. So I'm I'm leaving this game alone, but there are definitely options out there. Can, can I just say,
2: on Dacos, I got called out on the website in the comments, and apologies, I can't remember who said it, but they said, because I've been loopholing Dacos for, for the last well, for quite a few weeks now, as that sort of M9, D7 swingman. And someone said to me during the week, isn't he a little too good to be loopholing? Isn't he wasted as a loophole option? Well, he wasn't when he, during the buys when he was scoring me 60 points a game and not helping me at all. It's only now that he's finally turned good that it, it looks dumb. So I understand you were trying to be a helpful person in the comments, but... My, I'm just happy I'm finally getting rewarded for my patience with this young man.
0: Next game is Gold Coast against Richmond at Metricon Stadium. Took Miller averages 118 against Richmond in his last three encounters.
2: Took Miller's a very good option. He's a very good option. And uh, the Stewie Dew boost, Damo and Clarkie, he's just been signed on. Yes.
1: Good vibes forever for Gold Coast.
0: I would love Gold Coast to come out and win this weekend after that signing bonus, like just a little signing bonus, a win for him.
2: I think they will. I I think them. they will. I don't know if that's hope more than anything, and I just want the ladder to be as congested as I am. But <laughs> I just think up at Metricon, afternoon game on the Saturday, I, th- I think they'll, uh, I just, I've got a vibe. I think they're going to do it.
1: I also want them to win.
2: Yeah, I'm tipping I want Gold Coast I'm tipping finals. the Gold Coast. Do you want Gold Coast to win more than you want Richmond to lose cuz I I could I can't split it. I think I want Richmond to lose more than I want Gold Coast to win.
1: Much like I'm sure the odds are for this match it is exactly 50-50. But I do love <laughs> Gold Coast and I want them to play finals this year.
0: Next game is St Kilda against Fremantle at Marvel Stadium. Andrew Brayshaw averages one hundred and forty-one against St Kilda over his last three encounters, Jeez. with one hundred and eighty-nine last time they met in Round Two. That's uh, <laughs> that's a that's lot. some scoring.
1: Those are points. <laughs> Fremantle
0: will absolutely demolish St Kilda in this game.
1: I really hope they do.
0: Yeah, me too. I am not. I am um, tipping them. I am not expecting much but I'm tipping them Sorry, but- St.
2: Kilda Saint Kilda played their good game for the for the month and that was last week and they didn't even play that well to it's a new
1: financial year though like
0: okay hear me out here guys the Dockers are probably getting back Heath Chapman since Heath Chapman has gone out of the Dockers team they've gone two three I think Heath Chapman is the difference
2: I well I mean I agree with you. I also don't think you need a difference maker this week, but Heath Chapman does does he impact Luke Ryan at all because I know Luke Ryan likes playing against Saint Kilda.
0: Probably impacts he probably impacts a couple of players, probably Luke Ryan from a rebounding perspective and Hayden Young from an output perspective. Um, we might even see Heath Chapman move on to the wing as well because the Dockers' defense uh, was moved quite well without him last week against Port Adelaide, bar that final quarter. But um, Ethan Hughes had a really good game on the wing, but a lot of his kicks and handballs went to nowhere. So I think there's a chance that we see Hayden Young or Heath Chapman spend time on the wing and rotate out of the back line into that position. So um, it it really depends who's pushed out onto the wing in what, once Heath Chapman returns, uh, we've all tipped Fremantle here so I can move on.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm struggling like just football related. I, I'm struggling to get a read on are St. Kilda bad or are they yeah, just they're bad. in a bad like form? No, they're bad. Okay.
2: Carlton played awfully, like terribly played the worst football probably of the year or second worst game of the year and still almost won and had an opportunity to win by quite a lot. Uh, I, and also played directly into St Kilda's hand like we do every single year when we play them and let memory and Brad Hill and Jack Sinclair play well. And we still almost won. We being Carlton. I just don't think St Kilda are very good. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I think they're bad.
0: The other game on Saturday night is Port Adelaide against the Giants at Adelaide Oval. Stephen Cornelio averages 122 against Port Adelaide over his last three. But I probably wouldn't be touching this game for vice captaincy or captaincy.
2: No, not when uh, Kane Farrell is the highest averaging by opponent player in this in this game. Averages one hundred and twelve against GWS. I I don't think I'd be touching this one. This is a. Hard I've been flip
0: flopping on this game. I wanted yeah. to tip put I think Port Adelaide at home, but then I'm like, no, the Giants could do something here. But then. They played on quite a heavy ground last week with a heavy ball. Port Adelaide were in awesome conditions over here in Perth. I think Port Adelaide should win this, but I'd love the Giants to cause an upset. Clarkie, what's your, what's, I think this is a vibe check game. What's the vibe on
2: this one?
1: I don't care for Port Adelaide. Uh, good vibes for Harry Himmelberg.
2: Port Adelaide, I think it was during this week, had said that they think there are two-better win side than the latter actually shows, so they think they should have won nine
1: games this year. and That's why um, people hate Port Adelaide. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, I will tip. I will tip. Oh, Braden Pruce going to play? I'm going to tip GWS and hope that Braden Pruce is going to play. Not that I even have him anymore. Imagine
1: the balls to come out and go, oh, nah, we're, we're two wins better than we currently are. Well, you didn't, though. But you didn't. <laughs> but You're you are not didn't two win wins the game. Better. Yeah, if you win the... It's like, it, look, like Melbourne, we lost three in a row. Those are three terrible weeks of watching football for me. But every single time I watched them I'm like, nah, we didn't deserve to win those. We played bad, and the other team beat us mathematically. So... <laughs>
2: We're three wins better. Well, Port Adelaide think that they should be on nine wins and seven losses or whatever it is, nine wins and six losses.
1: Well, too bad. They're 12th and Jesse Hogan's going to kick four.
0: Moving on to Sunday. The early game is Brisbane against Essendon. Lockie Neal averages 170 against Essendon with oh. 198 last time they met in round two. That's so sad. One ninety eight, and then two other one fifty sevens.
2: sevens, G. I I think <laughs> I
1: think you've just locked in my captain for the week.
2: I mean, it's is it just going to be another classic Neil Oliver combo for everyone this week? One thirty five against the dogs. Uh, geez, he's had a he's had a pretty good year, hasn't he? Demo, lucky Neil. Averaging a hundred and thirty just quietly. Feels like he hasn't. Feels like we haven't actually talked about it enough. The fact that he's averaging one hundred and twenty nine point four points
0: for the year. He's having an awesome year, and I think the only score that he had below a hundred—if he, if he's had a score below a hundred—was like ninety-nine or something like that. Eighty-seven against Fremantle. Oh, okay. But I, but
2: <laughs> my memory, and he still had thirty-one touches that game. So he he just was wasn't clean because Fremantle's pressure was uh, was pretty good.
0: I'm tipping Brisbane in this. I don't think Essendon can cause an upset two weeks in a row. No.
1: Nah, but how good's um how good's massimo bean
2: yeah
1: great name uh he's had a couple of really good weeks really knocked it out it's good to see some young've I've, I brought him in way too early because I saw his name and I went Essendon can't not play him <laughs> yeah. um and it's turned out to work out okay <laughs> um surely I've just on people who are quietly coming good, I'd probably like to just take this second to shout out the professor, uh, who backed me in to pick Darcy Parish at the start of the year, which didn't start off well, but has kind of come good apart from the injury, um, injury week. But he's been quietly doing some good work the last few full games he's played.
2: Yeah, no, Parish has been when he's on the field has been has been solid. Um, backed in, came back into the side, scored 112. Um, On the weekend, but did it without needing that many disposals, which is very strange by him, was tackling and actually applying pressure, which was good. Uh, We should note that Daniel Rich, Dane Zorko won't play this week, but the funniest outcome, which is how you should always tip Hessen in games, the (laughs) funniest outcome is Joe Danaher kicking 10 goals. So
0: that is what will happen. So I will be tipping Brisbane Lions.
1: I'm also tipping Brisbane.
0: The next game on Sunday is Hawthorne against Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. Rory Laird averages 130 against Hawthorne over the last three encounters. And I feel like if you don't have Neil or Oliver for whatever reason, Laird is the next safest option.
2: Agree. He's just really, really good.
0: I'm tipping Adelaide in this one.
2: Whew, that's tough clucky what are you thinking because I really can't split them at this stage
1: yeah it's I think based on like the current form my heart like my gut says Adelaide uh to win the Birdo cup um or whatever this game's called um Battle of the birds sure yeah the Battle
2: of the birds even the though parents. there's like six bird teams in the Afl well
1: there's a lot of Battle of the birds. There's a lot lot of birds birds battling. It's the tournament of birds. A bunch of birds battling. Yeah. um, Yeah, I probably got to say Adelaide purely because they have won a few games and I haven't seen Hawthorne win for a very long time.
2: Remember in the first few weeks of the season when everyone was saying that you know, Hawthorne, oh, we shouldn't have counted them out. They're a bloody chance. They're going to play they They've only won four games this year. That's crazy to me. I mean, it's not crazy to me because I had them in my bottom four projections, but it's crazy that if you're just good forever, when you're bad, you're still considered good. And anyway, I'm tipping Adelaide because Hawthorne are bad.
0: I think they were projected to make finals by all those people who get too excited over one win after they beat Geelong on Easter Monday,
2: yeah, and there was that Blues game where they came back and they almost won, and then, or that, and then, oh no, the Blues were ahead, then they kicked back, and then the Blues got ahead, and everyone was
0: losing their mind. And before people get upset at us for you know saying that Hawthorne are bad, there's a difference between not winning games but providing pressure and providing a good game and being completely obliterated when you lose, and Hawthorne. Yeah, Hawthorne are going to be better next year because they haven't completely moved themselves out of winning any game this year. It's just been a matter of they haven't been able to, you know, close it. You know, they've, they're going to be better, but they're yeah, young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a new system. They, they need to learn how to be consistent across four quarters and they're going to be better. But they're yeah, when, ones- they're,
2: when they're sort of bo- bottom six to eight players, floor lifts, and they, they get more, more... And they've also had a, a fair bit of injury interruption. They'll be better. But having said that, this year, objectively, they've won four games, and that is bad.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I think I remember, if I remember correctly, it's because they won their first two in a row, and nobody... The bar was set very low for celebration for people watching Hawthorne. So they beat North Melbourne in round one by, like, 20 points, and then they beat Port Adelaide, who were bad at the time, by, like, 60 points, and then proceeded to lose the next two beat Geelong and then go back on a losing streak and then beat Brisbane so they've beaten two bad teams and two good teams and then yes. lost everything else so um yeah Vi- vibe check passes for Adelaide
0: uh, I guess and the last yeah. game of the round is West Coast against Carlton again there wasn't a lot of historical data to back in anyone in this game but if for some reason you're without a captain option and you're heading into this game and your vice captain didn't work sam walsh averages 117 against west coast over the last three games so he is the one that you'd probably hope can do a little better than that but he's probably the safest option in this game West Coast have found a bit of form over the last few weeks, but I'm still tipping Carlton. Yeah, Carlton haven't beaten West Coast
2: (laughs) in at least the last five games. Um it it might even go back to six games. Like we we have not beaten them in a long time. But I think we finally are gonna break that who that hoodoo. I think Zach Fisher, everyone remembers him, there was a game we played over at at Optus Stadium. I think it was twenty twenty. It Might not have actually been against West Coast, but kicked four goals. He's just signed a two year extension. Um, he'll come out firing. I think. I think the Blues might might finally get a win over West Coast, and if they don't, well, you know, call the season off. It's not worth. It's not worth playing the rest of them.
0: Like, when is Patrick Cripps going to score well again? I don't think he's going to. I
2: think I. Uh, son of a bitch. I think my my position season was that I thought he was going to be sort of that ninety five to one hundred and five average player. Then the preseason happened, and the first couple of rounds happened, and his scoring, and it looked like all of a sudden he was free to do whatever he wanted to. But the mid people have kind of worked out Carlton's midfield. He's gone back to a more uh, a simplified role where the expectations on him aren't as much and his job is essentially getting it to other people. Um, And I think he's, I actually think he's playing better football and is a better footballer because of it. But in terms of super coach, I I don't think he's getting back to the heights that he was earlier in the year. I just don't see it happening.
0: Well, that's unfortunate.
2: It is, it is, but it matches what I predicted earlier in this, in the year. So I'm okay with it.
0: And when it comes to Carlton's things, in Leckdog, we trust. Agreed. Yes. Yes. And with that, we have answered all your questions, given you our captaincies and tips. Now it is time to sign off. Leckdog. thank you for joining us again this week. No, it's a bloody pleasure. I love this podcast. And Clarky, it was awesome to have you back.
1: I'm very glad to be here.
0: Round 21, I said, would be the final mailbag of the season, and that I'd reveal another detail this week. It will be a live stream event. So, that is the new detail being revealed to you. It will be a live stream event. Another detail will be revealed next week for that one. Until then, get your questions in using the Jock mailbag hashtag, and we will talk to you next week.